Well, I really want to speak this morning about, I feel like we're in a season and time where it's imperative, as you know, us being prophetic, but more than that, there's more about knowing the voice of God, about doing what God's asking. A lot of us can hear the voice of God, but there's another level that we found now. It's about getting God's strategy, getting God's strategy on things, how to do it, because things are changing quickly. Things are happening quickly. And a lot of the time what happens is we react to something or we do things out of what we think or even how we think things are happening. And I really believe in this season it's imperative that we get hear the voice of God but also get God's strategy. Um, you know, a classic example is all the, the stuff that's been going on with the well, I think we're all supposed to be raptured by now, according to some people. We shouldn't have been here. Or maybe they have been raptured and we missed out. <laughs> I don't know. But in, in knowing that, you know, with all things happening, and you have to be able to seek the Lord. and not Because if you get caught up with reading all the stuff that's on the internet, you believe it. It sounds believable and you end up walking in fear. And, but the thing is, when you look at any tactics, like a lot of the stuff is hoarding, doing all this stuff, acting in fear. God never, ever caused his people to act in fear and hoarding is fear. And so it's important as, as, a, as us as leaders and also I know Dr. Bill Hammond and Cindy Jacobs and a lot of the other leaders, we all sought the Lord and us all because we must know what's going on. Lord, is, is it the end of the world? Is something going to happen? Because people put forth good cases, good stuff, and you can get all caught up in that. I mean, since I've been a Christian, the world's supposed to have ended so many times. (laughs) But we're still here. (laughs) We're still here. And I believe when God's doing something, the thing is what we should know is that you've got to be able to hear the voice of God, know his strategies, and we pray and seek the Lord, and it's like, this is not his time. Come on. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep living life. Keep, you know, keep moving forward because all those things end up being a distraction. And you know what can happen in that time? You can miss God divine opportunities. Maybe God's got for you to move into business or to do this or to get another house or to step out in faith. But what happens when we listen to what people are saying? Oh, well, it's this and it's that. Fear causes you to pull back. And what happens if because of that fear, you've missed a God opportunity? Come on, you've missed a divine opportunity. Maybe it was time for you to get a promotion or to step out in faith in something else. But because we're listening to all the doomsday stuff and the things about this is going to happen, it causes you to pull back. Now, God never caused us to to act in fear or be in fear. Come on. But it's imperative. What I feel and what I'm saying is that he's maturing us as Christians. One, we must know his voice. But two, you've got to get God's strategy. Lord, what do I do in this season? What's the plan? How do I do this? And I just want to give some examples this morning how God is always so very clear about his instructions. And the first one is in Joshua 6, verse 1. This was uh, Joshua and Jericho, and it says this. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none come in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king, its mighty men of valor. Now, understanding back in this season, what actually happened is that they knew there was a prophetic word out there that God had given the land to Joshua and the Israelites. Come on, the word was out there. So these guys made sure their city was strong. Jericho made that city so fortified that no one could come in and no one could come out because they knew there was a word that God had given the land to them. And see, what happens is when God gives you a promise, what happens is the enemy knows God's given you a promise. Come on. And he will cause things to get shut up and shut down and cause things to stop you because he knows God's plan for you. But so what happens is Joshua is not arrogant. He doesn't go and say, well, God's given me Jericho. I'm going to go in and do this. I'm going to start doing that. No, he waits for the plan. And see, sometimes God gives us a plan and a purpose, but we go ahead with guns blazing. Do we, we only get the first part. Come on. Joshua heard God. 
The city's closed up, it's fortified, and he says, I've given Jericho into your hand. He says, now don't worry about what it looks like in the natural. Come on, it looks like it's a closed up city. It looks like that it's impossible. See, that's what happened. God gives you a word and a promise that he's going to do something for you, but it might look like it's shut up. It might look like it's impossible. But he says, see, I have given it to you. So Joshua then it goes on and says this, the plan that God gave him was to march around, this is the strategy, how the Lord told him, you're going to take the city. March around the city for six days, men of war, seven priests, trumpets, rams, horns, etc. God was very specific in the strategy on how to take the city. Come on, seven days, seven times, blow the trumpets, and after a long sound, the people are going to give a shout. Now, when you look at it, it sounds pretty ridiculous. Come on, in the natural. This is a city that's all closed up, all sharp. And God says, you're just going to march around it seven times. And he told him for seven days, he gave him a... And you think, what's that going to do? But God had a plan. Come on. And it's imperative that Joshua followed God's plan. Not just receive the word that I've given this to you. And see, in our own life, God gives us words. He gives us purpose. He gives us destiny. But a lot of the time, we go ahead and do it how we think. Come on, we don't wait because God's plan sounds too stupid (laughs) or it sounds impossible or it sounds like it's not going to happen. See, there's two ways. Sometimes we get the plan of God and we think we know better. There's another time we're thinking, well, no, that couldn't be possible. Or there's times where we don't even wait for the strategy of God. And then Joshua 6 verse 10 says this. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say you shall shout, then you shall shout. Now the interesting thing when you do study about this, God didn't say that they weren't to make any noise. But I think Joshua in his wisdom He'd had previous experience with, the, with the, all the murmurings and the things that went on, their unbelief that caused them to be in the wilderness for 40 years. Come on, he knew these people. So I, what he did is saying, you guys aren't going to say anything. You see, when you're facing great challenge, you have to refuse to let your lips speak doubt or unbelief. Come on, I believe that's why Joshua said, because God didn't say they shouldn't speak on those other days. But I believe Joshua, in his wisdom and everything, because he knew what they were like, as they march around that city, they had to start saying to himself, oh, this is dumb. This is stupid. Come on, how are we going to march around a city? And those, Because see, their reality, they're looking at the walls. Come on, reality, they're doing it. And I'm sure that the, the, other, the enemy would have been from the other side looking down, laughing at him. Because that place was, had guards around it. Come on, it was securely shut up. They had people posted on the wall watching. And they would have been, I'm sure, up there saying, oh, look at those dumb people of God. You know, what do they think? They might have even been saying things. Trying, but Joshua didn't allow them to speak. Because I believe he didn't want any unbelief to come out of their mouth. Come on, he didn't want them to start saying, wow, look at those strong men. Wow, look at those. How are we ever going to take this city? He had a strategy in it. And see, I believe that we're in a time when we're taking ground, when we're going into new territory. You have to refuse to let your mouth speak unbelief. Come on, as a man um, thinks, so he becomes. And we know so many times in this church we've preached about whatever you speak, whatever you say, you'll become. Come on, you create your world. And one of the, the many things we said is if you don't like what you see, then change what you say. You'll always meet people, oh, I'm always sick, oh, nobody loves me, oh, I'm always sick. Come on. Well, of course you are because you speak that. You're not trying to change your world. You're not trying to, you're just speaking those things. So I believe here with Joshua, he didn't allow. In this experience, I believe that for him, silence was golden. I wonder if that's where it come from. Some of these sayings you hear, come on. It was, he didn't want these, he's all right. Come on, he's had experience with these guys. He wants them to be quiet. And then we know, it goes on in verse 20, it says this. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a grouch shout, the wall fell flat. Come on, God did what he said he would do. The wall fell flat. I mean, can you imagine that? This is not just, if we just did a little exercise and we all started to shout, these walls wouldn't fall down. Well, I hope not. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not the ones at Peterbilt, they wouldn't fall down. <laughs> but come on, this is a fortified city. They've built this so strong and these guys just go around shouting. But God said he was going to do it and he did it. But there was a strategy and there was a plan. There was a victory that happened when we hear the voice of God, when we get the strategy. See, it's not just hearing the voice of God. You've got to get the strategy. And then when you get the strategy, you've got to follow the plan. I remember just the last time in the US, we were speaking at a, I was speaking at a women's conference, but Greg was there as well. So, but anyway, where I go, he goes. So <laughs> there were a couple of other men, so he did come. But, but the prophetic word come about the, the, world, the wells being closed up. There was a prophetic word that come forth that the enemy had shut down things and, and the, everything was closed off. And so that was the word that come from the Lord. But then Greg sought the Lord a little bit further and the Lord showed him the word about Isaac and, and how the name means joy and, and the Lord began to show him that it wasn't just a matter of unstopping the wells in people's lives. So the prophetic word was about there's things in our life that have stopped us up. Come on, there's things that are stopping the flow of God. There's things that are stopping. But then the strategy of God was that he needed to release joy. That joy needed to be released to the people. And then as the women came out and joy was released, it was incredible. People were just so set free. It was an incredible night of just freedom. People were crying. People were dancing. There was such a move of God. But see, if we just heard the first pass, well, some people here, the wells of your life have been stopped up and you know, God wants to unstop them. Yeah, that might have blessed a few people. But it was the strategy, okay, Lord, what's going to unstop these wells? The strategy was that Isaac's name means joy. So we need to release joy to the people. And see, it was that part, the first part of the word, it was like, yeah, a few people were blessed. But it never got the incredible breakthrough until the joy was released. And see, as we've gone along with this more and more of getting the actual strategy, not just hearing the voice of God, we're seeing the two part. I mean, it's like the old glue. You've got part A and part B, but you need the two parts for the maximum. Come on. You need the two parts for everything to be done. And I've thought about it many times now as we've sought the Lord, but then we get the strategy. It's the strategy that brings the incredible breakthrough. So sometimes I wonder how many times are we missing out? Because we've only sought the Lord. Yes, we've got, but we've got this part, but the breakthrough is in the strategy. Another example is David when there was famine in the land. And this is in 2 Samuel 21, verse 1. It says this. There was a three-year famine in the days of David, year after year. And look what happened. David inquired of the Lord. Come on, David was incredible at this. David was someone who had incredible breakthroughs in his life. Why? David always inquired of the Lord. And it says this, the Lord replied, it is, an, it is on account of Saul and his bloody house, for he put to death the Gibbonites. See, Saul's sin caused a famine in the land. See, he didn't just inquire of God, but then God gave him the strategy of what had to happen. And then that's how they got the breakthrough. You know what? Sometimes in our life, things dry up. There becomes famine in our life. Things aren't happening. You've got to seek the Lord. You've got to ask the Lord, Lord, what's happening? What's here? See, sometimes we just think, oh, well, it's just a rough time. Oh, we just begin to accept things as they are. But no, whenever things dry up in your life, I know for us personally and as, an, as a ministry as a whole, if things begin to dry up, if things begin to happen, we seek the Lord. Come on, we inquire, Lord. Yes, there are some things. There's fires and trials we have to go through. But I want to make sure this is a trial that I'm going through that I haven't missed something. Come on, sometimes there's people I see that are stuck and stuck and stuck and they just keep thinking, oh, well, God said it would never be easy. And they just keep thinking, well, I must be in a long time of, of drought. I must be in a long famine. When in actual fact, when they begin to seek the Lord and get the strategy, it's over just like that. So it's important. Come on, when things drop, I believe one of the things, you know, always for Christians is it's not till our money dries up that we seek the Lord. 
Come on, everything else will be about as soon as the money dries up, people begin to cry out and seek the Lord. God, what's happening? But before that, come on, when anything changes in your life, when things begin to happen that are negative, when things begin to happen that are opposite, you've got to seek the Lord. Is there sin in my life, Lord? Have I taken a wrong turn? Am I doing something I shouldn't? Lord, is this a fire from you? Because if we understand that God's taking us through a test or a trial or he's taking us through a fire, then we can endure that because we know that when God takes us through a fire, he always brings a breakthrough at the end of the fire. But I don't want to be in a fire if I'm not supposed to be in it. Because one, a God fire protects me. It says you shall not be burned. I don't want to be in a flood if it's not God. Because if in a flood that's the Lord, he will save me, I won't drown. But if I'm in a flood of my own doing or something that needs to be broken off or done, I may drown. (laughs) Or I'm going to be in a place of unnecessary things. Come on. David always sought the Lord. He asked God. He He got it fixed and then God brought the breakthrough. See, whenever it should always, when something changes, when things are not working out, you need to seek the Lord. Because it's incredible when you seek God and how things changes. I know so many times counseling so many people. See, when you're in things yourself, you don't see it. What's so obvious to everybody else, you don't see. That's why God said we need one another. That's why he said we need parents and we need people. Because you, we have blind spots. Sometimes you get so accustomed to the climate that you're in. I know now, after living in Queensland 34 years, I am not a Melbourneite anymore. Because I went there the last, in the last month, I've been there two times, and I froze. I was cold the whole time. I'm like, I used to be able to endure this. I'm not a Melbourneite any longer. I feel the cold. It's freezing. And all them are saying, oh, it's not that cold. I'm like, can we put the heater on? They're like, oh, it's so hot. I'm a true Queenslander now. (laughs) Colossians 3 verse 15 says this, and let the peace of God rule in your heart to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. You know what this, when you look at this, it's when you understand that part, let the peace of God rule your heart. That means umpire your heart. See, when you don't have the peace of God, then you've got to get back to, well, when did I have it and when did I lose it? Come on. What we always say to people, it's like, and we've watched lots of football the last two days. But what can happen with football is that when something happens, an infringement happens on the football field. Sorry for those of you who don't understand football. I've had to learn football, but I actually was enjoying it last night. So there you go. But what happens is the ball can end up down here and as it, they can kick a goal. But what happens is, Aussie rules football. I can see Danny laughing. So what happens is the umpire blows the whistle and what happens is that it has to come back where the infringement happened. Come on. He always brings the ball back to the place where the infringement happens and that's where it gets sorted. See, that's what happens. I say to people that you've lost your piece of God. Well, when did you have it and when did you lose it? Come on. And so what you've got to do is you've got to get back to where you had the peace of God. And then you have to ask the Lord, okay, I had the peace of God here, but I don't have it here. What's happened in between? And then you have to get back to that point and you've got to fix it. Do whatever you've got to do. If it's repent, if it's ask forgiveness, if you've gone off on a wrong tangent. See, all the time, often when we see people who don't have peace, we're able to get them back to a point, right, you had peace here, you didn't have it here. There's always something that's happened in between. And you'll never walk in the peace till you get back to that place and fix what needs to be fixed. And then it's all of a sudden people are like, oh my gosh, my life is so good again. Come on, you can walk through fires, you can walk through floods, but when you have the peace of God and when the Lord's walking with you, you can endure it. You still have peace. Come on, you still have peace. Yes, there might be all hell breaking round about you, but you still have a peace. See, I know when things become too much, I just get before the Lord and I ask the Lord, give it all to him, ask his strategy, and he'll just often be saying, I got it. You know what? That's such a calming thing. 
to know when I hear him say to me, I've got it. Or he might say to me, you've got to do a bit of warfare. It's time to call a fast. Or you've got to fix this or you've got to do this. See, sometimes, like I said, we're going through so much, no peace in our life. We're going through turmoil. We're going through all this stuff. But all it is is simply getting back, asking the Lord and getting his strategy. Come on, getting his strategy. Lord, how do we fix this? I remember in an instance we were dealing um, with some people and going through some really conflict situation with some leaders. And it was in a really, really bad place. Like everything had blown up. Everything was really bad. We were in that part of just counting these people. And we, you know, we said he's got to get God's strategy because his natural way is, and the natural way that you look at this is these people... His top people have betrayed him. Come on, they've betrayed him, they've done the wrong thing. And when those things happen, our natural thing is just chop them all off, get rid of them all, go back fighting, blazing guns, give them what for? All those laughing at deep personalities. <laughs> we'll just chop the head off, get them out, come on. Yeah, get rid of them out of my life. See, you don't have to deal with you again. You're sacked, you're sacked, gone, get out of here. But who knows God's different? (laughs) And so this guy's way would have been to go in and do this. But in counsel and wisdom, he sought the Lord and God gave him a strategy. And the Lord said to him that you, it's all going to be okay. Now, reality, it doesn't look okay. This is a major, major thing. But Lord spoke, he says, it's going to be okay. And he said, I want you to go into that meeting and I want you to just say how hurt you are and how disappointed you are, which is not what he would normally want to do. But God told him this. And then the Lord said, I want you to extend the olive branch to them. Tell them that you're hurt, you're disappointed, but I want you to forgive them. Tell them that you understand you forgive them. And that's all I want you to do. Now, this doesn't seem a real good strategy for a major thing that you feel like you're going to be in this boardroom all day. People are going to be biting people's heads off and you just don't feel like there's going to be a good result because there's so much involved. There's so many people's things going on and there's been so much said. But the Lord spoke to him and gave him a strategy and he did what the Lord said. One by one, they began to weep and ask for forgiveness. Come on, they all started to ask for forgiveness and what seemed like was going to be an all-day thing of just a horrible thing going on back and forth with no real winners, the Spirit of God moved, come on, and there was weeping and the place then, there was reconciliation. They did some work and it went from strength to strength. See, it's getting God's strategy. It wouldn't have been how he would have done it in the natural Jesus with the woman at the well, come on, in John 4, that's another example. God tells Jesus, I want you to go up here and do this. Now, he's on foot. It's going to take him a lot longer for him. When you look at it, it was like Jesus was going up here, but to go out to the well, he had to go out here and then go. It was way out of his way. But see, Jesus always did what God, and he knew that if God had called him to go up here, then he obviously had a strategy and he had something that he needed to do. So Jesus goes up there. He meets the woman at the well, and then we know revival breaks out in the city. See, I wonder how many times have we been disobedient to the voice of God, and we've not waited for the strategy, and we've missed out on God moments. I really believe the season that we're in right now. I mean, God's always wanted it. (laughs) It's always been God's plan. But more the season. See, what I see where the church is going, people are becoming less connected to God, less about being hearing the voice of God, less about we'll just go to church on Sunday, pay our tithes, listen to a good message. You know, the most popular thing now is the 8.30 service because they can be out of there by 9.30 and get on with their life. It's kind of like a drive-by. Let's go meet the Lord, do this, and off we go. 
but more in the season that we're in. If you're going to survive and prosper and do well in this season, we must hear the voice of God and we must get the strategy. I am so amazed at the strategies and the things that the Lord's told us to do. But what is more amazing is the outcome when we do it. But you know what? There's sometimes God will tell you to do something and you never see anything. Like Greg tells his story about the Lord told him he had to go up to Mount Gravatt and blow the chauffeur. I'm like, we're not those kind of people. <laughs> we're not those type of prophets. <laughs> we're with those goats hand blowing the, 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 the ram's horn on the top of the mountain. And so then he says, well, you coming with me? I'm like, no. <laughs> the Lord didn't tell me. He told you. <laughs> he never spoke that to me. But he, being such a good little wife, I went. <laughs> <laughs> and we went what we thought would be the most time during the week when no one will be there. It's quiet. Like we didn't go Saturday or Sunday because God didn't give us a day. He just told us to do it. So we picked the optimum time when nobody will be there. And of course, we get up on top of the mountain and everybody's there. I'm like, I'm not getting out of the car. I'm here to support you. I will pray for you. Because, well, originally Greg thought he could just blow the chauffeur out the window of the car. <laughs> and then just take off. <laughs> that was his plan. My Lord said to him, no, get out of the car. He says, God says I've got to get out of the car. Are you getting out? I'm going, no, I am not getting out of the car. I'm here supporting you. I'm praying for you. I am not getting out of the car. So he gets out. There's people everywhere. He gets out. He blows. The he had to do it at four points of the mountain. He blows. Now, the first time you could blow it, run in the car and hide, but he had to do three more. <laughs> and when you hear a shofar, it's a distinct sound. So he blows it and everybody stops and looks. I'm sinking in the car. I don't know that man. I'm not with him watching to make sure the police aren't coming or the white jackets. Are... But anyway, he's a good man. He did it. We jumped in the car and we drove down the mountain. And I think it was about a month later or two months later, or maybe, I forget, anyway. What happens is one night he, Greg couldn't sleep. So he gets up and he's just praying and praying and praying because he's asleep. And he looks out the top of our bedroom window and he can see the mountain where we were. And this is midnight. And he's seeing just before midnight, he's seeing all these cars going up the top of the mountain. And then he just kept praying and thinking, what is everybody doing going up the mountain at 12 o'clock? Why would that many cars? I mean, not just one, a whole heap of cars. And then, was it about half an hour, an hour later, they all start coming back down again. So he just kept praying and praying. Anyway, then the Lord began to show him it was the winter solstice. Which is when, when you go and find out, all the occult go up to the high places and that's when they speak out all their prayers and all their curses and all their stuff over the city. See, understanding then, that's why the Lord had him go up and do that to break off what they'd done, going up because greater is God. Come on, they can do that. But if they've put that out there, God won't have got... Now, the good thing is now they've put a gate up there and you can't go up there past 10 o'clock. So he doesn't have to do it every year. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Yeah, he believes even out of that, out of his obedience. Come on. Decreeing out. Then we find out after the next year, they've now locked it and no one can get up there past 10 o'clock. So it's incredible when you list. Sometimes you might feel stupid. Elisha and the widow. Come on, this is another example. 1 Kings, verse 17 and chapter 9. It says this, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he rose and he went to Zarephath. Come on, this is Elijah doing exactly what the Lord had asked him to do. God speaks to him and he obeys. Come on, instantly. He doesn't have a prayer meeting. He, doesn't, he just gets up and he bays. And it says, And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was gathering sticks. It's incredible, isn't it, how detailed God is to tell him. But you know what? If he had hesitated, she mightn't have been there gathering sticks. 
See, I wonder about that too. Sometimes the Lord asks us to do stuff and then we get there and nothing happens. But if we, have we taken three days to procrastinate about it? Have we taken six months? And then we get there and we think, well, nothing happened. Well, God's been and gone. The widow's not going to be gathering. Come on. He told him a specific time. Get up, go. There'll be a widow. See, when we do what the Lord asks us to do right there and then, everything falls into place. So here she is. She's gathering sticks just as the Lord said. And she says, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. See, I know for many of you here in our church, you know, we've always said God doesn't need much. Come on. He doesn't need much. But all he asks is that we use what we got. He always requires that we give something. Come on. He always requires for any type of miracle that there's some sort of faith. You might say, I haven't got anything. God knows exactly what you've got. Something. Come on. She said, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that, that we may eat it and die. That's a pretty dire situation. You always think about, why didn't God send him to somebody else? Why to a widow? Why to a woman that's just about to die? I mean, I'm sure there was more successful people in the city. I'm sure there was plenty of other people that had heaps that could have fed him. But see, God wanted to bring a miracle. Come on, he saw this woman. They're about to die. He wants to bring a breakthrough. He wants to bring a blessing. Now, here's the strategy, verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, number one, come on. And, you know, that's a, something we preach over and over again. You cannot fear. You cannot have fear. If you're going to do anything for God, you cannot have fear. Fear is the opposite to faith. God does not operate through fear. He operates through faith. That's why in saying all this doomsday stuff, it's, when it's fear, it's not faith. If anything causes you to fear, then I would doubt if it's God because God always operates through faith. He didn't give us the spirit of fear. Thank you, darling. He says, do not fear. Go and do as you've said. The strategy, come on, don't fear, do what you said you're going to do. But he says, make a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and for your son. Doesn't make sense because I imagine he was a sort of a fat, baldy guy. <laughs> He'd had plenty to eat. God had been providing for him, come on. He wasn't starving. He wasn't about to die. And it wouldn't make sense. Her son and her are going to die. Why should he, she give to him first? Why? Because, come on, she'd acted in fear. She would have said, no way. I'm hanging on to this food. I'm, it's all my son and I have got. Why should I give it to you? But see, God's principle is always giving. As I've said over and over again, for God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. And we are still reaping the benefit. God's still reaping the benefit of that giving. For God so loved you and I, he gave his son. So he says, give some to me first. Always. What I found is whenever I've got great need, God always requires me to give something. Whenever I want to push through to break, come on, if I want to break through in God, if I want to go to a new level in my prophetic, if I want to go to a new level in ministry, I know God will always require me to push into him more. He'll require me to read the word more. He'll require me to have more prayer time. Come on. And not that it's always like that, but in a season of pushing through, he might require me to fast more. There's always something. Come on. Whenever I'm believing for a breakthrough financially, we give. Always giving. But you know what a principle of my life is always giving. Because I always want to have more than enough. I never want my harvest to run out. I never want to get to the season where there's no more seed in the ground and I've got no harvest. Because what happens is every year, come on, there's a harvest. The things get harvest, but there has to be new seed planted for it to get another harvest. So I want to make sure I've continually got a harvest happening. So continually sowing. You can't outgive God. And he says this. He says, if you give first, thus says the Lord your God, 
The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Doesn't make sense. Come on, it doesn't make sense. She's got a handful left. It doesn't make sense. But God said it. Come on. He said, if you give first, why didn't he just come and say, listen, go and bless this little woman. She's got no food. Just let a miracle come to her house. Come on, God could have done that just as easily. Said to him, go down there, bless her, pray for that oil, pray for that flower, and she can have food forever. No, no, no. God always requires faith. Come on. He always requires an act of giving. He always requires us to deal with some fear. See, every time you step out, every time you break through something, you're breaking an element of fear in your life. You're breaking some land that you haven't taken before. Come on, when you you get stronger, think back to when you first got saved, to where you are today. Hopefully there's leaps and bounds. If there's not, then we'll pray for you and get you into counselling and help you get there. (laughs) Because we should be growing. Come on, you should be growing in faith. You should never be believing for what you were believing for last year. You should never be going backwards. I never believe in going backwards because every time I take territory in the kingdom of God, I own that. It belongs to me. It's mine. I expect it. I own that land. I bought it. I've paid a price for it. It now is mine. I have dominion over it. Come on. I expect that when I go on to something else, every time the anointing's not going to get less, it's going to get greater. Come on. The miracles aren't going to get less. They're going to get greater. My finances isn't going to get less. It's going to get greater. That's it. The emu and the kangaroo. Come on, the Australian coat of arms. They literally cannot take a backward step. Aren't we blessed to have that? They're than a dumb kiwi bird on it. No, sorry for all that. <laughs> 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 look at our national emblem. It's incredible. And what I was trying, we, the emu and the kangaroo literally cannot take a backward step. How awesome are we to belong to this nation? Come on, Australia's are battlers. Come on, we're people who will fight and fight. You can never, yeah, listen to the cricket commentators. Anyone's well, they'll say never rule the Australians out because we're fighters. But that's just Australian people. If we could be like that, how much more is our God? Come on, he never takes backward step. He's a fighter. He always requires faith. He doesn't just come down to you in your little pity party. Oh, you're sick. Oh, I feel sorry for you. Oh, let everybody else feel sorry for you. No, he wants you to get victory. He wants you to be strong. Come on, he wants you to gain momentum. He wants you to overcome it. Then you can set other people free. Come on, there's no, no testimony. If you're just always complaining, there's a testimony when you overcome it and then you've got power to set others free. That's what God's about. And says this, Verse 15, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And listen to this, this is incredible. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bit of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. Come on, that's our God. But it doesn't make sense. You know what? I think 80% of what we've done in the Lord's never made sense. It does now, but it never made sense in the time. A lot of things don't make sense, but it should be enough. If God, you said it, then I'm going to do it. Come on. But not only the thing about this, when you take lamb, she didn't just get food for her and her son and for him. She got it for her whole household. Come on, she saved her whole household. None of them starved. None of them died. See, when we're obedient to God, that's what happens. But you've got to hear the word and you've got to get this strategy. If we're obedient to the word of the Lord and get the strategy and have faith, our family will be blessed also. Come on, it's not just you. Ever love, some of you might have heard Greg talk about there was a season when Ben and Cindy were building their house and just as they, they've got quite a difficult backyard, but she wanted a sprinkler system in and that's what Greg used to do. He knows all about that. And so he goes in and he sets all the sprinkler system up and then they put the trees and the grass in, but there was no tap in. So he couldn't te- test the water pressure, which you have to normally do to get them all running. So he just had to put them all in and hope that when the tap come, the pressure was going to be right. And he, he worked on our pressure at our house because we don't live far, but 
that was all wrong anyway. And so he didn't want to do it, but he had to. So anyway, sets it up. And then what happens is they put the tap on and they don't work. And so we were away at the time traveling and then we get back and talk to Cindy and she's eight and a half months pregnant and she's bucketing water down to her trees because she doesn't want her plants to die. They've paid a fortune for all their plants. And I was like, honey, you've got to fix it. He's like, he knows he's got to fix it, but we're so busy. We've got no time. And he's thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to dig up the lawn. I'm going to have to dig up. It's the middle of summer. The ground is just like rock. And he's just, this is not going to be good. And so he went to bed. He said, Lord, give me a strategy. What's wrong with this sprinkler system? Why isn't it working? What happens is he gets up at 6 a.m. in the morning, flies out of bed. Now, you know there's either got to be a fire or something's wrong. I'm like, holy moly, what's happened? Is someone dead? Is the house on fire? Greg never springs out of bed at 6 o'clock. He's not a 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock spring out of bed. I'm always up, but he doesn't. I'm like, shocking my life. And he goes, I've got a strategy, I've got a strategy, I've got a strategy. Now, I didn't realise he'd asked the Lord the night before for a strategy. I'm like, a strategy for what? What are you going to try? I've got to go, I've got to go, I've got a strategy. Go, I'm going, call, call up Cindy, tell her I'm coming, I'm coming to do the sprinklers. He was just as excited to see if it was going to work. So he goes over there and the Lord had given him a strategy that night in his sleep and then he put it together, turned on the tap and they worked perfectly. Come on. If he hadn't have sought the Lord, he would have been digging up that whole ground. Come on. He would have been digging up the backyard. He would have been out there. See, when you get a strategy, and see, God's interested in what interests you. The little things. Come on. There's little shortcuts. There's little things that God's in, in our busy day. When things don't work out, when things aren't happening, I'm like, Lord, give me the strategy. And he always does. It's incredible. He wants to help you. He doesn't want it to be hard and difficult. He's into the details. If you have a look at in Acts 9 verse 11, Paul's conversion. I love that. The Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man called Saul. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. I mean, just think about that. (laughs) That's how detailed God is. But then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many things about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he he has authority from the chief priest to bind up all who call on your name. Now, I tell you what, that'd be pretty scary. This man, you know, he's persecuting the Christians. He's killing them. He's doing all these things. The Lord says, I want you to go down this street, do this. You're going to meet this man and this is going to happen. He had to have faith to do that. Come on. Incredible. He had to overcome fear, number one. And he says this, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Incredible. But I just look at that word. I love reading that and how detailed God is. There's so much in that scripture, the details of the Lord. And when you look at the Lord, he gives street now, do you want a donkey and this will be out here and do this and do that. That's how detailed our God is. I'm going to finish with this. It's a classic example, Luke 5 verse 4. This is Simon and the nets. It says, when he had stopped speaking... What had happened is these guys are fishermen. They've been out all night. The fish caught nothing. Bad night. No fish. And said, so when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. See, I believe this represents, God is always saying to us, go deeper. Come on, launch further. Launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, when you understand the times back then, this wasn't just a little fishing net that he's letting down. You know, they didn't have the electronic nets that you just push a button and wind them up. They had to put them out. It was a massive job just taking their nets out. And here they are. They've packed up for the night. They're already feeling pretty bummed because they caught nothing. All that hard work. I mean, I feel pretty bad when I just go out with a fishing rod and catch nothing. And I'm not relying on that to feed me and I'm not relying on it for a lot of you because I don't like fish, I just throw them back in. I just love the thrill of catching a fish. 
or at least knowing that a fish is biting. I don't have to catch it, but if he bites and I've got a bit of a challenge, I like that. But come on, these guys have been out there. They're already filmed out there. They've caught nothing. That's a bad night. They've caught absolute, their livelihood is on these fish. But it's a big deal. So here they are, they've packed up their nets. And Jesus comes along and says, go out deeper, chuck those nets out there again. And this is what happened. But Simon answered and said, Master, he's telling him, listen, in a polite way. We have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. We've worked hard all night. You know what? Sometimes you feel like that. You feel like God tells you to do something. Press a bit more. Go a bit further. Forgive one more time. Come on. He'll say something to you. And you're like, but God, I've worked hard. I've pushed through. I've given up everything. But he says, come on, go one more time. Launch out further. Go deeper. But Lord, I already tried this. I've given my marriage one more try. Yeah, but I'm tired. I've toiled. I'm washed up. I've got nothing left. But God says, go deeper. Go further. But he says something which is good. He says, nevertheless, at your word. See, he trusts Jesus. Nevertheless, at your word. Yes, I've toiled. It hasn't worked. This didn't happen before. But because you said so, Jesus, I'm going to do it. Well, he kind of did it because it says this. He says, I will let down the net. Jesus said, let down nets, not the net. But you can see he's thinking, we've tired, we've toiled all night. Come on, there's nothing out there. There's no fish. He's a fisherman. He knows the waters. He knows the best time to catch. He knows at a certain time you've got to be out there. You know what? When Jesus asked him to go out, it might have been low tide. We all know the best time to fish is on the incoming tide. But Jesus says, go further. So he says, okay, at your word. But I'm just going to let down one there. See, sometimes we only do half. Verse 6 says this. And when he'd done this, the court, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Their net was breaking. Come on, he didn't listen to what Jesus said. Jesus, well, he did, but he didn't listen to the full conversation. He only had half faith. He thought he knew better. I'm a fisherman. I know better than you, Jesus. There's no fish. But anyway, if you tell me to do it, I'll, you know, I'll go out there and I'll put out one net. You know what? He risked losing everything. He risked losing the full blessing of God because Jesus said nets, let down your nets, not one net, because Jesus knew there was an incredible catch and he knew the one net wasn't going to be enough and the net was breaking. But luckily, he had his mates around. (laughs) So he signaled to his partners and the other boat to come and help him. And they came and filled both the boats. So they began to sink. See, now even the boats are at risk sinking. But you know what I thought about the other one? I thought, I wonder if he had to share the money. Because, you know, in today's economy, that would be how it is. If he caught all the fish in both his nets, like the Lord said, it would have been all his money. But if he's got to call in some partners, you've got to share the profit. I'm sure that's how it worked with the fishermen down there. That whatever they got was theirs now. And it says this, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me for I'm a sinful man. See, he realised. Jesus said, Nets, come on. He realised he, he was using his own natural knowing about the situation. Come on, he's a fisherman. Don't be a know-it-all. Don't be a person who says, well, I've tried this, I've done this. You know, I've been a Christian for this long. Don't be one of those people who will never listen to counsel, who'll never listen to the Lord. Come on, even if it doesn't make sense, we've got to be obedient. You've got to do what the Lord has asked you to do. Come on, never, what I find is sometimes people who've been Christians a long time or people who have been in ministry or, or being this. They're the know-it-alls sometimes. I've tried this. I've, I've been to this course. I've done this. I've got the certificate. Doesn't matter. What are you doing right now? <laughs> 
Come on, where's, where's the fruit? Come on, what are you doing? It doesn't matter. Well, why are you in a mess right now? It doesn't matter what you got or who you... You might think, well, I know everything about this industry. I know all this about, about fish. Come on, that's what Simon did. He'd been out there. He thought he knew everything. There's no fish out there. And he nearly lost everything. We have to always stay vulnerable and open to the Lord. We've got to hear his voice. We've got to listen. Doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense to you. Doesn't matter if it's going to push you out of your comfort zone. Doesn't matter if you're going to look stupid. You've got to be willing to do because I believe the seasons and the times we're in, God is going to get us to do things that will make us uncomfortable. He's not going to, if you want more, he's not, you're not going to, what is the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a new result. That's the definition of insanity. If you want something new, come on. If you want to break out of where you're at, you need to seek the Lord. Ask him, God, how do we get out of this? I'm sick of being in this mess. I'm sick of being in this place. I'm sick of going around the mountain. I'm sick of living in the wilderness. I've been living like this. I'm this age and I've never got any further. Come on, if you're a certain age and you've never got further and never grown, if you've been married a certain amount of years and you're still having the same problems, the same things, you've not grown, then it's time to get on your knees, seek the Lord, get a strategy, obey the strategy and God will give you the catch like you've never had before. But his strategies are incredible. That's how you're going to get breakthrough. Come on. That's how you're going to do the ridiculous, do the impossible. That's how you're going to touch other people's life. When you stretch out, when you launch beyond your comfort zones. Come on. Well, there's still breath in you. See, I want to be one of those people. When people meet the greatest compliment to get for somebody that I haven't seen from years as they say, wow, you guys have grown so much. You're preaching so much better. That's the best compliment I can ever get because it means that you're moving forward. I don't want to be someone, come on, who, who wants to be someone who's still preaching the same message 10 years later? Still in the same mess. So sad. Let's stand this morning to meet people that you haven't seen for five or 10 years. They're still giving you the same sob story, still got the same problem, still the same pain in the backside. (laughs) Come on, God never wants that for any of us. And you know what? You begin to hate yourself. People don't like being like, people don't like being stuck. But now it's a season where we have to seek the Lord. Come on, hear his voice. I'm telling you, the mess that you're in or whatever you're going through or whatever you're stuck on or whatever you've been going around the mountain, God's got a strategy for you. Come on, he's got a plan. We can come up and don't be like someone come up with all our good ideas. You need a God idea. You need a God idea. A good idea will just keep, you will never go, come on, the God idea will bring the breakthrough. Come on, it'll get you out of that mess. It'll push you forward. Come on. It'll get you that business. It'll get you whatever God wants you to do. It'll bring healing to you. It'll bring whatever's needed. It could be fast and pray. Greg doesn't like that word, fast. He says, you can fast and I'll pray. (laughs) Greg always says he doesn't know why it's called a fast because it's never fast. (laughs) You all know how much he loves his food. But come on, if you want to, and you know what the most incredible thing is? When we begin to walk in everything that God's got for you, you would do it over and over and over again. Come on, you, you would stand up and you'd say, hey, I remember Bob, Greg and I were sitting and talking. And we said, you know, it's been tough years. But when we see today, we see this church, come on. We've been praying for the church. Uh, we've been praying for for years. When, when we see everything it is, we said, it's been tough, but we do it again. <laughs> Not that we want to. <laughs> Come on, this church was just a prophetic word. God's promise of a church, but we believed and we pushed through and trusted God. I mean, it seemed like a long time for it to come to pass. But you've got to trust. Come on. 
We want to see you walk in everything the Lord has for you. That's our heart for you. Come on, we don't want you to be stuck in neutral. If you stay in this church, it'll be pretty hard to be stuck in neutral. (laughs) If you want to stay in neutral, everyone's going to be passing you by. Come on. Let's lift our hands. Father, I thank you today for your word. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, that you've caused us to be a people to advance, to move, to never be the same, Father, to grow. You have so much. None of us have arrived. None of us have finished. Lord, you've got so much more from the youngest to the oldest. You've got so much more for us. And Lord, even while there's breath in in us, you've got more for us, more ground to take, more. Lord, we don't want to be stuck. Father, I don't want to be in five years, still be the same as I am today. I don't want to have the same sicknesses. I don't want to have the same complaints. I don't want to have the same marriage. I don't want to have the same amount of money. Lord, I want everything. I have the same marriage. Yeah, I'm going to have the sorry. He's... A better marriage. I want a better marriage. (laughs) He's making sure I'm going nowhere. (laughs) I want a better marriage, Lord. I want things to be, I want a better family. Lord, I want everything that you've got because, Lord, you've never finished with us. Well, there's breath in us. You've got more ground for us. But, Lord, it's not just about us. You've got more people for us to touch. It's a reproducing. As I get breakthrough, Lord, I can bless my family, my spiritual family, my natural family. Father, I thank you right now. Lord, I pray today. Lord, we ask forgiveness for the times that we haven't listened to you, when we've been hurt, when we've been disappointed, when we've been know-it-alls and done our own thing. We ask forgiveness right now. And Lord, I thank you right now that we will be a people that hear your voice. And Lord, that we get your strategy. Father, I thank you right now. I feel like that some of you, even right now, you're stuck. I can see you're stuck. And the Lord is saying to you, I've got a strategy. Father, I thank you right now. Even if that prophetic anointing is here, you're releasing strategies. As they seek you, they're going to get the strategy to get out of where they're at, Father. Lord, to not be going round the mountain. You know what the Lord has shown me? Is some of you are going round the mountain and round the mountain. But what I see is God's got a doorway through the mountain that'll get you over the other side. What the Lord has shown me is you don't even have to climb the mountain. He's got a doorway that'll take you through the middle of the mountain that'll take you into your promises. Father, I thank you right now. You're releasing that. Lord, just as when the Israelites came up to the Red Sea, it looked like they were going to die. It looked like the enemy. It was right behind them. But Father, you had a way through the Red Sea. Now, Father, I thank you that you have a way for each and every person. I hear the Lord so clearly. The one thing he's got me sucking is that going round and round the mountain. God says he never called you to go round and round the mountain. He's going to give you a strategy. It's such a weird picture. Give me. It's like a, a doorway that just opens up. And through the middle of the mountain, there's a, a, a passage. It's a gateway. It's a gateway. And it's going to take you over to the other side. You see, what the Lord has shown me is if you just keep going round the mountain, round the mountain, you get to the top, all you're going to do is see the other side. But he wants to take you through, which will be your doorway into the next promise that he's got for you. Now, Lord, I thank you. You're releasing it right now. Strategies. And I feel there's such an anointing here for those strategies. Take hold of it. Some of you have been struggling and so you've never asked the Lord for a strategy. You've never asked God, what's the strategy? And it's not that I feel like some, what the Lord is speaking to me, some of you are just like, you've done the Christian thing. Well, we're going to decree, we're going to pray, we're going to, you've done what you've done in the past. It's not that you're not seeking the Lord. You're just doing what you've known to do in the past when it's not the strategy for the breakthrough. You see, Israel never fought two battles the same. There was always a strategy for every battle. Now, Lord, I thank you. You're releasing strategies right now for breakthrough. And he's releasing the faith for the strategy. The faith for the strategy. Grab a hold of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're advancing. We're moving. You're moving, Father God. 
Lord, I thank you. This time next year. Lord, even for some, at the end of this year, when 2015's finished, they're going to have major breakthrough. Lord, you never want any of us to be in the same place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.